You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thursday edition of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Happy you could join us as we always hope you can join us every single weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. It is Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So you can follow the show on Twitter. It is at LO underscore Syracuse. And we tweeted out a couple things yesterday, Ty. Tweeted out the basketball sort of depth chart roster because it's now final. An interesting addition to make it final scholarship Keep it in the family. Yeah, a legacy guy, Chaz Owens, who is the son of of the former Syracuse basketball great and All-American Billy Owens. Not quite as tall as his dad. He's a 6'5 guard and is now going to be on scholarship, which is a little surprising. But at first glance, I feel like this is the type of thing where they had an extra scholarship and why not give it to someone? I don't believe that he will have a scholarship next year would be my guess if they didn't have if they wanted to use the scholarship somewhere else i think they would just move him to a walk-on i mean no disrespect to him but it seems like he only got division two offers and i wouldn't expect him to be a key contributor this year but it is nice to add another player because as a couple people tweeted at us the depth at point guard as we have discussed is very very thin and now you got another six five guard just in case you need him and honestly you might need him, kind of like you needed Braden Bayer in that tournament game. Something right, like you that never know. could come up. And, it, yeah. and that's the thing, too, is because remember how big Braden Bayer was, and that's because he actually played. He wasn't just some walk-on scrub type of guy who was coming in and played a little bit of high school ball. No, this was Braden Bayer was a guy who excelled at the D3 level for um, a school in Wisconsin, Grinnell, which some people may remember that name or may- maybe sounds familiar to them because that's where Jack Taylor went. And-, and Jack Taylor's a guy who was putting up like hundreds of points in a game. And-, and I'm not exaggerating when I say hundreds of points. He was going over 100, not consistently, but a yeah. couple of times. So he was going up against that in practice, and then he carried that out, and then he ends up at Syracuse. And, I mean, he could play. And then not just – not only did he go- end up going to Syracuse – but then he goes to Siena as well, and you want guys that can play top to bottom on your roster, even if it is the walk-ons. And adding a guy like Chaz Owens, it, it helps in practice. It helps in practice yeah. a lot, and I think that's what a lot of people would say about what Braden Bayer did for this team a couple years ago. It certainly it, that part's often overlooked to the practice thing, but I think Beheim often touches on that how it really helped to have someone like Sean Belby improve his shot in practice or Braden Bayer, like you said, because then we know Syracuse often at times struggles to get out on a shooter or one guy can really burn them over the top of the 2-3 zone. Well, if you've got another shooter working in practice that makes the other guys pay, I mean, you talk to former walk-ons on different teams and coaches would get upset at them if they weren't making shots or living up to their expectations because they need to, to a certain extent to make those guys pay. Yeah, exactly. Like it's one thing to have a, if you're on the scout team or whatever and you kick it to the corner and you're wide open and you miss the shot. Like that's one thing where you're, if you're the guy closing out and 
coach can say, all right, yeah, uh, R.J. Barrett would have made that shot. Well, it's it's one thing to to see it and, and see it miss. It's another thing when it hits. It it's gonna motivate you a little differently when a walk on's hitting a shot from the corner. So I think these guys definitely help. Again, they're not the most skilled guys on the roster, obviously, but they help with the psyche of the team and they help improve in that aspect, which can be very important for a, a group that is young, developing, and and their their ceiling is kind of unknown right now. Yeah. So anyway, Chaz Owens is the new addition. Normally, I would say if Syracuse picked up a scholarship player, we would talk more about him. I, I don't mean any disrespect, like I said, but I don't think that changes my feelings on this year's season no. at all. But it is a bonus, and for those reasons, helps in practice and also gives you another guard to at least put in the bench rotation. I mean, I went to the Syracuse website today, and they actually have Richmond listed as a forward, technically. So they really only have two scholarship guards, and now you add Owen to... Yeah, but I, guess I mean, Richmond can handle the ball, so I, yeah. I'm I'm viewing him as more of a guard oh, type of guy. You know, so a quick Billy Owens story. So I was at Syracuse, and I was in a class or two with his daughter, and his daughter oh, wow. is also named Billy Owens. So anytime there was a really? professor who would take attendance, especially when um, they they were sports fans and they'd call out Billy Owens' name, they're like, oh, like, you know that, that he was a basketball player here back in the day, and, he, and she was always like, yep, that's my dad. So <laughs> it, that, I always found that very, very funny. Wow. I've never heard of the daughter being named after the dad. That's a new one for me, but that, that's kind of cool. That's, that's a good story for me there. All right. So let's let's transition to football now. We've got quarterbacks to go over today. We're going to continue our positional preview. And then latter half of the show, we're going to have kind of fun with this burning question that we keep doing. This one today I think is very intriguing. It's basically how much will the no fans play a factor this year and how much will that change, say, Syracuse's chances of winning a road game. So we'll touch on that later. But with the quarterbacks discussion – Obviously, we all know Tommy DeVito and what is resting on his shoulders going into this year after underwhelming, maybe not statistically, when you look at 19 touchdowns compared to five interceptions. I think we all would have been like, oh, that's pretty good at the start of the year. But he panicked in the pocket a lot and didn't really deliver any of the Tommy DeVito-like moments that we saw against UNC. For you, where does he rank in terms of ACC, I know we've talked about this discussion a little bit on the podcast, but just a ballpark, like what tier would you put him in as an ACC quarterback, or what do you think's fair going into this season? So right now, I'd probably pin him middle slash back third of the pack in terms yeah. of ACC quarterback, somewhere in that 8 to 10 range. But I would say this, I think of all the quarterbacks in the conference, He's got the best chance to take a jump based off of skill and what he's got, his arm talent, because we know he's got it. We know he can sling the ball downfield, but he just has to be given the time to move that ball down the field. And you look at his accuracy numbers, especially in that UNC game. I think I want to say he was like 11 of 16 on passes in that game, which is solid. But remember, a lot of those passes were down the field. When you're 11 yeah. of 16 and you're attempting all those balls down the field, 
That to me tells a whole different story. When you're trying to engineer a comeback by getting your team down the field multiple times to pull out a victory. So when I see that, I I definitely think the accuracy is something that he's got a gift and the arm talent as well. He's got that gift. Again, this season is not going to come down to the skill of Tommy DeVito. This season is going to be how much can the five guys in front of him keep him on his feet. And if he's going to be given time to throw, we're going to be talking about a completely different quarterback. It's a quarterback that, quite frankly, could end up being top five in the conference. Again, I think that that top three is very ambitious for him, especially if you're throwing Notre Dame into the mix as well. But top five, I think you could make a case that if things go well in the offensive line, and again, that is a huge if, and I just don't know, are the injuries, what what kind of injuries are we looking at? What kind of opt-outs are we going to be looking at? Because that is what's going to dictate this kid's season. It's he, I know what he can do with his arm. I've seen him. I've seen what he can be. I just don't know if he's going to be put in the situation that's going to allow him to be his best self. All right, real quick break here, Ty. Got to tell everyone and remind everyone about the best place to maintain and repair your car in these times right now. It is by going online, believe it or not. Skipping the auto store and going to rockauto.com, which is a family business serving auto parts customers online now for 20 years. Rockauto.com has auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers on their website. They have everything you could ever want from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even just new carpet for your classic or daily driver. You can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door today. Very, very good prices as well over at rockauto.com. I've used it a couple times now during this COVID quarantine time period, and I will probably continue to use it even after the end. It's funny how a couple of these things now, like ordering food, I find that I'm probably just going to be doing that more once this all hopefully gets back to normal sooner rather than later. And whatever that new normal is, but I think rockauto.com is something everyone should start to incorporate because it is so much better than going to the auto parts store. And if you go today, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, put Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. DeVito is a textbook thrower. Like, everything from a technical standpoint is very good. I joked a lot last year about how he is kind of J.D. McCoy, if anyone has seen Friday Night Lights out there. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, he's this wonder kid coming up through the ranks, and he's got the arm talent. He Everything on paper is great. and it's Eric like Dungy he, is Matt Saracen. Yeah, too. right. That's I'll why say the, that. the comparison makes a lot of sense, because... What we learned last year is, to me at least, that DeVito is very, very good in games where the pocket was clean. Western Michigan, he got to show off how he was groomed to be this great quarterback. Like, ever since he was younger, he has hit all the checkpoints of being a good quarterback. The only thing I think he has to prove now is can he be a good winner or be a good quarterback when it's less than stellar circumstances because I am worried that the offensive line based on the injury news based on what we saw in the scrimmage allowing 10 sacks based on maybe that a player might opt out like we've talked Sean I'm worried that it's going to be at least somewhat of a problem again we still haven't heard on Bleich's waiver which 
holy cow. I mean, I mean, yeah, clock's ticking. Jeez. Yeah. It's, I think what the first ACC game is a week from tomorrow, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Miami. The first Friday the first is the or that Friday is the first game for the conference. So, the fact that that's not figured out yet is an absolute joke. Yeah, absolute I mean, the joke part that point. frustrates me on that is tons of other players have already heard about their waivers at different schools after, and they applied for it way after Chris Bleich did in April. It's like if you're at a grocery store and the grocery store clerk, everyone lines up to pay for their food and the grocery store clerk is going to be like, oh yeah, you uh, six rows back, you like seventh in line. Yeah, you can come up to the front. But Bleich, who's been waiting at the front. Right, because you've you got more items. There. You you play for the bigger school. You're, you're right. going to spend more money here. You're, you're worth more to our institution. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not fair. It's laughable at this point, and and quite frankly, I mean, if it's getting drawn out this long, I'm starting to lose hope that he's actually going to get it passed. But at the same time, I just want to know. I don't care if he gets it. I don't care if he doesn't get it. I know. I just want to know at this point. But we'll see, especially with this this blanket waiver that's going in this year. I'd imagine he's probably not getting it. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't. It seems like everyone else is, and... I, I do feel a little part of me kind of likes to see all these Syracuse people, and I think we've been in, involved it's in like it, It's like the too. Isaiah Thomas thing from from The Last Dance. I met the criteria. I just don't know why I wasn't selected. <laughs> it, like, yeah. that's what this is. He meets the criteria. He's moving closer to home. Uh, I want to say there was something health-related in the family, if I'm remembering correctly, too. Like, yes. He, yep. he checks the boxes for why you should be getting a waiver. And yeah. He's just not, and, right. and at least that's the way I'm starting to view it at now that we're getting into the eleventh hour here. So yeah. So I, anyway, back I, to I'm my. I'm not very optimistic. Yeah, back to my long Friday Night Lights analogy here, and I hope that most of our listeners have seen this show. But I do think this relates. I mean, this is a common quarterback thing where you have one guy coming through the ranks who's kind of like the wonder kid, so to speak, and. J.D. McCoy didn't end up that well. I'm still optimistic that for DeVito it does. It's not a direct correlation. But the way that Dungy was just able to improvise and make things happen under less than stellar circumstances, we need to see more from that from DeVito this year. I would like to see him use his legs more. I would like to see him just like do things that aren't just waiting for the pocket to be like I, I don't know I, I just think that he he has all the skill set he has all the throws but that can only get you so far and now he has to prove that he has the other things which I think he can prove it yeah it, the thing with DeVito is that again we just haven't really seen what he can I guess we have seen but it was in a limited appearance as a backup role who kind of got slid into that QB1 position at times. So we just we haven't seen him really get put into the ideal situation for him to thrive, the, the situation that Dino Babers expected to have him in. Again, Dino's been bringing in guys pretty much every single year on the offensive line to get better and better. Kadir White, what's that, what's that been? Nothing. We have not seen him take the field. Yeah. Think about, I mean, back to recruiting from that same Kadir White year, Tyrone Sampson. 
That was supposed to be a, yeah. a major four-star guy that was supposed to bolster your line. And then we've seen these offensive line grad transfers who have come in and been pretty good. You developed a guy like Cody Conway into a very good offensive lineman. And it just you haven't seen that come to fruition. The, the offensive line has not panned out as it should have these past couple of seasons. And I think that's got to be super frustrating for Dino. And then, of course, like we mentioned, the Bleich situation is that dark cloud hanging over the head right now. Yeah. So, outside of DeVito in the quarterback's room this year, the backup spot, it, it feels like there is somewhat of a competition there right now. I would say Rex Culpepper is probably leading the way because he's a senior and he has played significant snaps for Syracuse. Well, here, here's what I'll say. Is Rex the backup by skill or by experience? Because by experience. he really has only played one game. Yeah, Boston College, right? Boston College at the end of the 2017 season. Since that game, he's made one pass attempt. Yeah, but, I mean, one game relative to no games from anyone else at all and no pass attempts from anyone else right. on the roster. So, But, I mean, this was a guy who's who's been playing special teams, too. It's just yeah. like they, they've just been trying to, to find... Right, they've just been trying to find spots for him. I don't know how much they believe in him as the quarterback. And remember, yeah. a lot of these guys who are on the roster too, a lot of them were are true freshmen that are quarterbacks. I, I want to say I counted three of them uh, on the the roster today. So you're not looking at a bunch of other guys who would have been on that spring depth chart. I'd imagine right now David Summers is the third string, but yeah, it's who interesting knows because where that is. In the scrimmage, you know, it, it's we can't glean too much from how Qs.com words their write-up, but that's all we kind of have, so we're going to do that, I guess. And in the scrimmage, Qs.com in the write-up said that, obviously, DeVito was in the first string, and then they say that Rex Culpepper, Dylan Markowitz, and Jacobian Morgan were rotating second-string snaps. But all right, they do so, not so you mention can rule Summers. that out, then. Yeah, you can yeah. rule out Summers probably. Maybe he's he's an opt-out then? I, I don't know what to take from I mean, that's all speculation. I don't want anyone to go say David Summers is opting out according to us or whatever. I'm just speculating on the whole thing. I would say Summers should be in the conversation, though. And if he's not in the conversation and he's healthy and he's practicing, it's a bit concerning about where his growth is, I would say. Yeah, well, th- those other two guys you mentioned, Markowitz and, and Jacoby and Morgan, they're both probably a little more talented than what Summers is too. So eh, yeah, I mean, it, when when you bring them in, the same and, for me. Like I like all of them, but Summers, I mean, he was committed to Maryland before Syracuse. They flipped him from Maryland, if memory serves right. Markowitz had Boise State interest. I know that's not everything, but Summers, I felt like had a better grade 24-7 sports-wise than Markowitz or Morgan if you're going off of ratings. Yeah, but also, I mean, look at, I don't remember where Jacoby and Morgan went to high school, but Dylan Markowitz is a Texas guy. I'm more yeah. impressed with a guy doing it in Texas than I, I am agree. a guy who's doing it in Connecticut. Yeah, which is why I was really impressed with Chance Amy, but that's a sore spot. You could you could use him right that now. That would have been nice to have him yeah. right now, but yeah. I don't. I think he was too talented also to be sitting on the bench for this long. Yeah. Well, anything else on the quarterbacks? I think we've talked about DeVito a little bit this week. It's obviously a huge year for him, but I think in general, my take is a lot of it's going to come down to the offensive line, unfortunately. I hope that he finds better ways to 
make do if the O-line is really bad, and maybe he gets a little more out of the offense this year with Sterling Gilbert there. And I, But again, like the running back situation so up in the air. I mean, it's just not looking like it's built for him to really make a leap this year. I hope I'm wrong. The last thing I'll say is just that he's the most talented guy, him being Tommy DeVito, on this offense. He needs everyone else to kind of do their part. Last year, people weren't doing their part, whether it was the offensive line, the backfield, wideouts, what have you. Tommy DeVito is the most talented guy on this on this or on this offense, and we're just gonna have to see everyone else because, again, there's only so much he can do, especially when you've got a crumbling offensive line. Yeah. And is he gonna have to improvise more with his running game? I don't know. Again, I think he's a better runner than what his numbers say, especially because those sack yardage, the sack yardage lost is a part of his running numbers, which is still the dumbest statistical thing I've seen in all it's of sports, so I think. Can we but, change that already? I agree. Yeah. But I'm I'm interested to see what he has done to take the next step in terms of IQ and making plays happen when he has to improvise and, and the po- the pockets collapsing and he's rolling out and he has to make something something go no doubt all right well when we come back we're going to discuss a very intriguing question about this year how much will no fans in attendance at least so far for most of these schools through september how much will that impact syracuse this year and how much does it change their chances of winning some of these tough tough road games we'll talk about that on the other side Okay, so it's going to be, obviously, a very, very different college football season. That much we know for sure. And one of the big differences will be the lack of fans. So far right now, at least we know that at UNC, the first game of the year for Syracuse on September 12th, and by the way, for those that don't know, it is now officially a noon kick, will be on ACC Network. So it will be, I think, the first game between two Power 5 opponents all season. And maybe there are a couple others at noon along with Syracuse. But it could be the sort of first, maybe that will draw some eyeballs. I mean, UNC is number 18 in the country, so I was a little surprised. I thought maybe they would get a 3.30 or a 4-type window, given where UNC is ranked. But Vegas does not expect the game to be close, so maybe that contributed to it. Anyway, there will be no fans at Keenan Stadium down in Chapel Hill. And you look at Syracuse's road schedule, and it's been hyped up a lot. Pittsburgh is week two. That's also going to be a noon game. Same thing, ACC Network. There will be no fans at Heinz Field, as far as we know right now. Clemson is a road game later on in the schedule. A game like that, for me, I mean, it completely alters how I feel that Syracuse will play at Clemson. Because if Does you it? start... Yeah, because, like... Not for me. Did, well, I would say it will because, what was it, three, four years ago where Dungy got hurt and they lost like 50 nothing. I don't. I think there's less likelihood of that happening where the crowd just gets really into it and things just get out of hand and you can't even hear yourself on play calls and it's just a total, like, I want to leave this place. This crowd is nuts and I'm sick of hearing them. Like, I think the there's the more day, potential to blow out a team. The, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters to me is the wins and the losses. Removing the crowd, and again, Death Valley is a top three home field advantage in all of college football. But at the end of the day, if you take the fans out of there, if you played at a neutral site, whatever, it's not going to impact 
what I think the result's going to be. I mean, Clemson's just oh, got way too much. So you think Syracuse has a chance to beat Clemson no, at but, Death Valley? No, I mean, I would say if the Vegas spread before was, I don't know, 20 points, it might it be It wasn't like 20 points, now. I'll tell you that. No, I, I know. I'm, I'm saying, like, hypothetically, if, if they're making a spread for this game, like, like it, it changes my thought process on how close they can keep a game. I mean, it does something. That's why when you're at home, you have a better shot of winning, and they often bump the spread. Well, yeah, but they're points. still on the road. I mean, yeah, sure, you're not going to have to deal with the crowd noise, but I think while, while crowd noise, it plays a factor, that's not everything that's baked into that, whatever you hear the Vegas line for home field advantages, three points. No, it's it's the travel, it's the, the, the refs. bus <laughs> trips, the, the hotels, all that stuff. So I, I think that there's a lot more to it than that, and... I mean, I, I've had NFL coaches tell me that the winning on the road in a football game is the hardest thing to do in sports. It's so hard to do. And going on the road and, and you're having to follow these strict protocols, like if you're Clemson, you want to be in your natural habitat when you're going through these these ordeals and the testing and all that stuff. So I, I don't think that it's going – like Clemson is the game – where I think that when you lose fans, I'm just looking at the road games, you probably get the biggest advantage back, but you're probably losing that game. Not probably. You are almost certainly losing that game anyway. So yeah, I don't I'm not think arguing really that matters. they're going to beat Clemson. I'm just saying yeah. Clemson in a packed Death Valley versus Clemson in an empty Death Valley, I feel better about Syracuse keeping the game close in an empty Death Valley. I do think it, it impacts their likelihood of keeping it close or their likelihood of maybe making it more interesting to some extent. All I'm saying is, okay, if you're saying that Vegas is going to move that line five points or not five points from, from, or however many points it's going to move. If say you're getting an extra two points because there's no fans, I'm pouncing on that extra two points and I'm rolling with the tigers. Yeah. I mean, but Think about, so we should note that artificial crowd noise will be implemented this year. So there right. will be but some music, he, which... I think that's more for aesthetic and TV purposes. Because when you read into the rules, yeah. it's not like they can just maximize the, the speakers and, and pump it to the level that a real death Yeah, there will be flags real, thrown. Yeah, if, or a real carrier dome crowd noise. If, it's, if the players cannot hear signals from the sidelines, you can get a delay of game or an unsportsmanlike penalty. And to me, I think a lot of this actually hurts Syracuse because while this is a team that depends on communication from the sidelines, especially when you want to move fast, Syracuse relies on that noise. Even though the Dome doesn't get nearly the attendance as many of the other ACC schools, having that Dome environment and the crowds and the noise in there I think you're you're going to be getting a lot more of an advantage than you think because of that. And also, you got to keep this in in mind too. What if there's complications with the noise because it is a dome? Because that noise is entrapped inside the the four walls as well as the roof. And you end up biting yourself in the behind because of that because you're giving up a couple delay of games or or unsportsmanlike conducts because of the noise. And this is already a team that commits enough penalties in and of itself. One of the most penalized team in the country. So if you're going to throw that disadvantage on top of that, I think noise in the dome was a huge advantage for this team. And, and when you're going to be playing so many like-leveled skill teams, 
at home this year. You want every advantage you can get, and they're just going to be plucking some of that away from Syracuse if there's no fans for the entirety of the season, which I would imagine there won't be. Yeah, so you think when it gets loud in the Dome, that can play a factor, but getting loud at Clemson is less of a factor for you? No, I'm not saying it's it's not. I'm just saying it doesn't matter if, if there's... 10,000 people at Clemson or if there's 90,000 people at Clemson or if there's zero people at Clemson the the Tigers are the much better team so it's not going to matter yeah okay it's not going to impact I mean, the final Clemson result maybe is, isn't the best example I'm saying how about Pittsburgh that's a game you might have won if it's at home I, I would feel better about Syracuse winning that game in an empty stadium at Pittsburgh than in a full stadium at Pittsburgh. Well, yeah, I guess, I mean, I think it, like, the communication, again, the communication from the sidelines, but Pitt also isn't the rowdiest of crowds. They're a pro sports city, so the the attendance isn't something that I think is going to overtly sway the outcome of the game there. Yeah. All I'm saying is, remember, we were at the NC State game last year, and they were Mm -hmm. also doing some kind of a little... A little slimy the way that they were sort of letting the music go until the very last second. Yeah. But you could tell there's definitely, I mean, we've all seen it when we're watching football. There's some road games where the crowd gets loud and the quarterback doesn't know what's going on. They can't figure out the play call. They can't tell their wide receiver where they want to go exactly. Things get awry. There's a delay of game because of it. Like that type of stuff will happen in a normal season when there is all these fans that could happen at North Carolina in week one. Now there's no chance of that stuff happening really, unless if it does happen, it's all on Syracuse. Then it's not because of the crowd. Right. And again, there's no excuse for offensive miscommunication this year, because if the the crowd noise is too loud, you have to notify the officials right away that I cannot hear my coach because of what's going over these speakers. It has to go down. So, we'll, again, no excuse for miscommunication on offense this year. And, and that's something that I don't know if it's impacted the Orange in the past, but when you want to move fast, that communication is key from the sidelines. So I think it helps, but again, the opponents that you're playing on the road this year are just so much better than the ones that you are playing at home. And I just don't think crowd noise is something that is going to affect the outcome of the game as much as I think it will in some of these closer level games inside the dome. Okay. So your argument is more based on the competition that they're playing. I I get Mm -hmm. you there. I mean, when you're at home and you're playing teams that are right about, if not a little better or a little worse than you, I mean, the margin for error is very little. And when, when there's little intricate advantages that you can get, you have to take them. And I don't know if Syrac- and Syracuse doesn't have one of the again we hear Dino talk about it all the time. We've got a dome. We've got one of the best home field advantages in the country, and you're taking away a big part of what that advantage is when you trap all that noise underneath a roof. Yeah, it is going to be weird. I mean, just watching these games. I saw some something the other day it was a high school football game, and there were some fans in attendance that I was watching briefly, but. You know, it took me a while to adjust to baseball. I feel like basketball, it's been totally fine. I think the NBA's done a good job of making the sound pretty much the same. Yeah, no, I, I think everything's been pretty natural. And again, I, I think most of it's for TV, radio purposes, yeah. as opposed to the actual gameplay itself and making things feel normal for the players. 
I will say this, the in terms of uh, TV aesthetic, the no fans thing, that first game of the season when, when it was Austin P and, and what was it, Central Arkansas? Yeah, something like that. I can't I, yeah, some, some absolute crap football game. <laughs> right. Anyway, when I was watching that game, I couldn't tell whether or not there were fans for the longest time because you don't necessarily notice it with your normal angled shots. Like for yeah, every other true. sport, you know that if there, if there's fans there or not. You can tell right away. But with football, the the of course the field's so big and there's so many people on the sidelines and you can tell right away or you can't tell right away whether or not there's actually fans in attendance. Yeah, that's why baseball is so weird for me because behind home plate you can obviously tell there's nothing, and then when right. someone hits a and home run, I love run the cardboard cutouts. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it is kind of cool. I mean, it's making the most of of a tough situation, of course. Yeah, well, that'll hey, do I mean, it. If yeah. you're Syracuse, just sell some cardboard cutouts. There's people that are going to buy them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put our faces out there. I've been on that. Yeah. Or how about that? that you you want to get a home field advantage? Get get. Me and Tim's ugly mugs on every seat in the dome, all right? <laughs> That'll throw off some of these guys. Yeah, that's a, a face for radio, as they say. That, that's one way to do it. Well, face first game coming up September 12th. It'll be at UNC. We will continue to get you guys ready for the football season. Positional previews continue tomorrow. A little bit of a twist. We're doing special teams tomorrow, the entire group, which has been honestly the most successful portion of Syracuse football relative to national rankings and everything for the past two years. That was something and NFL that draft still, uh, success. Yeah, yeah, which hopefully that changes in the future that we're not just regarded as punter you. But we will talk about replacing Sterling Hoffrichter, who will be the kick returner, punt returner, who to expect to see making the tackles on special teams and all that good stuff tomorrow. And also, our burning question will be, kind of trying to take a stab at projecting the depth chart. There has been some interesting news from some of the Zoom conferences. Some of the players saying they're playing different positions, and I I feel like we're going to be surprised by a couple things come Monday when that depth chart is released. So we'll do our best to try and guess what it is and then compare when it does come out, assuming on Monday. Are we playing a game? I think we're playing a game. Yeah, we, we might have to put some bets on the line on that one. It, it wouldn't be our podcast if we let that go by the wayside. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow. Follow the show on Twitter. It's at LO underscore Syracuse. For Tyler, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you guys on Friday.